Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast. The transfer window may have closed, but the rumour mill is still very much open. And the latest murmurings involve Manchester United and their search for a permanent manager next season. And it's a familiar name being discussed on the grapevine. PSG's Pochettino is the man in question, with reports once again suggesting he's being lined up to replace Ralph Rangnick at Old Trafford next term. We discuss whether there's any smoke without fire and if these suggestions are becoming too hot to ignore. And from a potential future Manchester United boss to a former one, clips of Jose Mourinho have been doing the rounds recently off the back of Delhi Alley's arrival at Everton. Mourinho coached Alley during their time at Spurs and hinted how Delhi is still yet to unlock his full potential. Will he discover it under the tutelage of a man who himself was a student of the special one? All of that to come on the only daily Premier League podcast out there. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome along to the show. My name's Niall and alongside me today, Joel Tudor and Marley Anderson. Morning, guys. Morning, mate. Good morning. Now, as I say, the transfer window shut a couple of days ago and normally you have at least like two or three weeks of lull before you see some of the rumours start to fire up again but that hasn't been the case this time around only three days after the closure of the January window we're talking about a possible arrival at Manchester United they didn't sign any players during the January transfer window but this comes from a managerial perspective and once again former Tottenham boss Mauricio Pochettino is the name that is being linked rumours have linked him to the vacant managerial post at Old Trafford in the past Ralph Rangnick was appointed the interim coach and he'll be at the club until the end of the season at the very least before he moves upstairs into a consultancy role. Some suggestions that he might even continue beyond the summer, Ralph Rangnick, but that remains to be seen, of course. Uh, And once again, Joel, your club Manchester United in the papers being linked with the current PSG boss Pochettino. Do you think he'd be a good fit? I know he's someone that you've spoken about with admiration in the past. For me, I still think he's definitely the front runner. And I've seen recently, especially after Paris Saint-Germain just got knocked out of the Coupe de France um, pretty early as well, that there's a hell of a lot of resistance from United fans at the moment. And I'm trying to, I'm struggling to understand exactly why. Because obviously Ten Hag's the the guy, he's the one who's favoured at the moment. He's more of the flavour of the year rather than Poch. But I think you have to take some perspective with what managers do at Paris Saint-Germain because for me when you when if you've ever watched uh, PSG this season I just don't understand how a manager is meant to implement his real focus and his strategy on the team when you've got three of the biggest superstars in the world of Neymar, Messi, Mbappe 
I don't understand how you're meant to tell them to track back, to do the dirty work on the pitch, to help your fullbacks, when we've known and we've discussed it before that Pochettino's Spurs sides have always been the hardest working sides in the Premier League. So when you try and transfer that to PSG, I just don't understand how he's meant to actually show or implement exactly what it is he's trying to do. But I think it's a it's a very unfair indicator with PSG of how good you actually are as a manager because we've seen some very good managers come and go from there. Obviously, Thomas Tuchel was sacked mid-season last year, ended up winning the Champions League six months later with Chelsea. You've seen Ancelotti go, Laurent Blanc go, um, Umarai Emery go. There's been a, a host of names and they've all gone on to, well, most of them have all gone on to do much better things. Um, and I think when you look at, for example, at the moment, PSG's position... They're 11 points clear in the French League, which, you know, everyone would say is probably a given. But this seems to be the thing that everyone's beating him down with since he lost the, the league to uh, Lille last year. But this is his first full season with PSG now. So if he wins that, OK, everyone's going to overlook it and say, you know, you've got the side to do it. He's still in the Champions League and that's the main aim. And let's not forget, PSG have yet to win it and the host of managers who've not been able to do it with them is quite telling of the club at the moment. So I don't think it's a fair assessment, to be honest. And when you look at Ten Hag, I know, you know, he's so highly revved for his uh, Ajax team, but everyone's forgetting he's got like the most perfect structure to go and be successful in terms of Edwin van der Sar as CEO, Marco Vermaas as your director. He knows the, the club inside out. If you had Pochettino, who is the Ajax manager now, he would do as good of a job as Eric Ten Hag has done. So you have to kind of have that perspective of, I think Ten Hag has still got everything to prove still as well. Everyone's looking at him like he's a sure buy, but I don't think that's the case. Um, so for me, I mean, either one of them, they've both got a lot to prove, but I just think that the the resistance around Pochettino at the moment, I think is very, is very rash and is very harsh considering the fact that we know the environment at PSG and it's not an easy one for any manager. Well, you mentioned Pochettino, you mentioned Ten Hag, which are definitely two of the front runners in terms of the names that have been linked with this job over the last few months, Marley. But on Pochettino, Joel says some of those criticisms are harsh, but for me, the main criticism, which will always be there until he changes it, will be Pochettino's trophy record. Is that a valid objection to have over him potentially taking the Manchester United job because we know that the club even though they haven't won a trophy for a number of years now that is what they feed off Manchester United need to win silverware it's what keeps them going Uh, I think it's a a fair criticism Um, I'm not sure sort of quite how much weight it it holds Um, but you can you can say that his time at PSG is has been a bit of a, a damp squib, um, but you can't. It's, it's, you know, it's like Joel said. It's hard to get a to get a read on how good you are as manager when you manage PSG because you know you, you just sort of put the players on the pitch and hope they do it. It's not really a case of like building a certain style. They all they all know the way they want to play. It's very hard to coach the likes of Neymar, Messi, and Mbappe, and uh, Ramos, and Marquinhos, and all these players they've got into something that they, they, they weren't already doing, if that makes sense. So it is hard to 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 sort of read on it. And you, you could probably look at Spurs and say, were they ever good enough to win trophies? Like, yes, they had 
they had a, a golden generation sort of thing and a very good team at one point and they, you know they they were in a title race for a long time one season and they ended up finishing uh, uh, third I think it was Chelsea Nectar on the last day I think it was um, and they got to the Champions League final but were they were they meant to get to the Champions League final or did they just have a good run like I would say they had a good run um, so it's everything comes with a bit of an asterisk like I think Spurs. Spurs suited Pochettino perfectly because they weren't ever in a position to get far in these in these competitions and and get into the title race. Pochettino took them from sort of a top six club into into a, a genuine top four and possible title challenges. Um, yeah, he regenerated the club, didn't he, Marley? Yeah, from when he arrived to where he left. And I know he was sacked and forced out of the door effectively, but considering with what he had to work with and. I guess this is kind of forming a part of my next question. Now, I've seen a lot of Spurs fans on social media kind of reminiscing over that 2018 team that Pochettino had. Kane, Son, Ali performing well, Eric Dyer performing well, Lloris, etc, etc. And suggesting that if Pochettino was backed by the Tottenham ownership and given some money to spend to improve that team even further, they could have been a strong force in the Premier League for seasons to come and beyond. And that just didn't happen. And it kind of fell apart and it never really materialised. So I guess the question over whether Tottenham not winning a trophy under Pochettino is a valid criticism can maybe be counter-argued with the fact that he wasn't backed as well as maybe he should have been. Whereas at Manchester United, as we've seen in the past, over the managers they've had in recent seasons and recent years, they will be willing to put their hand in their pocket to allow Pochettino to sign players. Yeah, they they will, but with I just, I just think with Man United, there's not an obvious sort of type of manager that can come in and, and succeed. I think um, they've been going through a bit of a, a transitional sort of era in their in their um, history. You know, after Mourinho came in and pretty much decimated the squad and said like you know pointed out that this wasn't good enough. I think everybody did realize that he had a point. They didn't agree with how he went about it per se, but they you know they they sort of looked at the squad and went Christ this is this is poor actually. Um so they went out and signed, you know, Maguire, Cavani, Ronaldo, all these sort of players that came in and, and improved the team a lot and Bruno Fernandes. Um and then now they're sort of coming out of it so I I'm not sure quite like it's not the same as Spurs six or seven years ago when Pochettino came in. It's not the same project. It's it's a it that it has similarities, but it's on a much bigger scale. And I don't think Man United have the patience to uh, to to just let him build something. I think it's a it tends to be a very sort of short uh, short tempered club, um, and you see in that with with what they've been through in the last few few years, you know, a couple of years in charge and then you're out on your ear if you don't win anything. And I think that's harsh on people in the past because they've, they've not had the squad to win it, um, to win things. I think Mourinho winning the Europa League was as good as you can get for, the, for that Man United team. So it just needs someone to come in and, and knit it together a bit because there is potential there with Man United. They've got a way better squad than they had, um, you know, three years ago. Um, there's some, some top players in there that you can build a team around and they're probably just a, a quality midfield away from from pushing into that top four and like on regularly and possibly building towards the title charge. But I'm just not I'm not sure about Pochettino. I don't think he'll be terrible, but I'm there's just obvious asterisks around him mm. for me. Um, 
Are you surprised, Marley, that there's been no other names linked? I mean, this is one of the highest profile jobs in world football. The manager of Manchester United, a real institution in European football. I mean, we've heard Eric Ten Hag's name, as Joel's mentioned. Some have suggested Rangnick might stick around for a little bit longer. Pochettino, of course, even Antonio Conte is currently the Tottenham manager. But in terms of the amount of names that have been linked, are you surprised that there aren't more that are possibly in the running? Yeah, I am actually, yeah. Um, it would usually attract, you know, everybody Everybody who's anybody. Um, I think Vito Pereira will be on the phone <laughs> trying to get, his, <laughs> get himself an interview with Sky Sports. Um, it's, yeah, it, it, it. I think it's just the, the managerial scene, if I'm honest. There's not... Who I mean, who's out there that could that could be linked with them? Um, I'm struggling to think of like an obvious one, but the Ten Hag thing worries me a little bit as well because he's very much for me like uh, look, he's he's doing a fantastic job at Ajax, but there's similarities between Ajax and PSG. Like they should win their league. It doesn't matter what happens, um, they should win their league if everything goes. Okay, you know they've got the best academy. They they've got a clear plan, and it's completely different to Man United. Completely different. That's just why, whenever Ajax players leave, um, leave the club, I, I I'm just worried about their development into another club. Like look at Frankie Dion going to Barcelona, hasn't had the best time of it. Matthijs De Ligt going to Juventus hasn't had the best time of it. Um, there's there's numerous cases of of this sort of uh, going on and I think with a manager it's even it's even bigger it's even harder because you know managers rely on sort of stability and everyone doing their job and he puts the players on the pitch but at Ajax it's such a unique club that it's probably the only club ran how it's ran around the world and to that level of, of success and that's all down to Johan Cruyff, like 25 years ago, 30, 40 years ago, maybe putting that in, in place and, and making them the, the sort of institution that they are now. And if he left now and went to Man United and seen, you know, a bunch of board members picking up their wages and owners that aren't really asked, and just a load of, you know, business suits with the dicks in their hand 24 7, it doesn't really matter, like, what you do on the pitch because. You you sort of hamstrung by that because he's gonna get there and think, like this isn't this is how he used to do it at Ajax. Like I knew it was different, but not this different because there's a lot of guys at, at Man United who I think are, are more business based than than football based. So I think if you were gonna bring him in, you would have to also bring in, you know, board members and and st- more structure um, to know what they're doing. Ralph Rangnick's come in and impressed quite a few, Joel. Has he done anything to change the thoughts of some fans? Now, we knew when Ole Gunnar Solskjaer came into the club originally in 2018 to replace Mourinho when he was sacked, that that would be a short-term thing. But he ended up doing so well that he almost forced Manchester United's hand. There was no other option than to give Ole a permanent deal because of the job he had done. Ralph Rangnick hasn't quite had that same explosive impact that Solskjaer had, but has he done anything to change the thoughts of some fans to perhaps think, actually, this guy might be all right as an option? Uh, no, I definitely don't think so. Um, it would have to be something absolutely miraculous, like winning the Champions League for anyone to believe that it's the right solution. And it's like I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, I think United need to stick to the plan of what was originally agreed, which was that he kind of comes in to steady the ship and then goes upstairs and then we continue on with that. Um, I don't think the club wants to make that same mistake again where... 
a manager comes in, has a really good five, six months, and then suddenly they get a three-month contract on the table because that wasn't the original plan to begin with with Solskjaer, let alone with uh, Rangnick. I think Rangnick's done a really good job at the moment just in terms of, obviously, the results are a lot better than the previous three months before uh, Solskjaer got sacked, which were absolutely dire. Um, I think in terms of, you know, the outgoings, there's been a hell of a lot of players in there and I think just prior to the January transfer window, the amount of leaks that were coming out in terms of players who wanted to leave, who were unhappy with the club, blah, 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 blah. I think I think there was a lot of truth in that. And it, I think it's become quite evident with the amount of outgoings and the amount of links to players actually leaving. So he's, had a, he's come into a position which I don't think many managers, the top managers would have come into and had great success with. Because it just seems like a club and a team on his knees when he first came in, in terms of... You know, the players' body language on the pitch, they didn't even look like they wanted to be there. And then you've got board members who are coming and going. There's a lot of transition going on upstairs. Like Miley said, you've got owners who don't really give a crap about what's going on at the club. They just want to see Tom Brady's uh, 10 rings on his finger. So I think that um, it's... It's a situation. Tom Brady's running out of fingers. I know. Well, well, I've seen the. uh, That's why he's retired. He's going to have to use his toes. Oh, yeah, he's retired now. But I saw the statement that Tom Brady did where he was praising the Glazers, saying that he he did the best that any player could ever ask for and had the best ownership. And I was just looking at that statement thinking it must be nice because this club just gets neglected nonstop. Um, But Randnick's done the best of a bad situation, which is. Whoever wants to leave, the door's there. We're not going to convince you to stay. Um, he's kind of picked players based on merit rather than based on reputation, which is what Solskjaer failed to do consistently. Um, and that's the way it should always be at a, a top football club. Your place should never, ever be a given, unless you're like Messi and Ronaldo, who you know can change a game on a, on a, on a flip of a coin. Every other player is never, ever guaranteed a spot. And it's been a difficult period for Rangnick, but I definitely think that once his time is up here, and I think it's a great transition to have a manager who's been in the club for six months, passes on the baton to, say, Pochettino or Tenag, and he's got an amazing insight into the team in terms of the youngsters, in terms of who needs to go, who needs to stay, what the team's like in terms of its morale. Like, It's the best insight a manager coming in could ever ask for. So I think... It's the perfect transitional period to do that. And if United end up deferring off that that strategy that they have of, um, you know, going after a manager once the season ends, he'll just end in tears. I'm, I'm, I guarantee it. And you'll be in the. We'll be speaking about the exact same situation this time in six months. Say, you know, Rangnick's been sacked from the club because the the club just don't seem to know how to run it at the moment. So, yeah, if they manage to stick with it, then I think United fans will be happy either way. But I think if Pochettino is hired, it just seems like the very unpopular choice at the moment. And for me, I just feel like it's very harsh because, you know, as we've all discussed, winning the league at Ajax and winning the league at Paris Saint-Germain are both pretty much givens. Anything more is a bonus, especially a Champions League. So... Ten Hag was in the PSG job and if Pochettino was in the Ajax job, I'm sure everybody's opinion would be very different on this uh, on this situation. So 
Honestly, I'd be happy with either, but I'd be more confident with Pochettino, in my opinion. Well, as we've seen in several newspapers and digital articles this morning, Maurizio Pochettino's name, the current PSG boss, of course, is being linked to the Manchester United job for the start of next season. We'll wait and see what happens there. At the moment, Ralph Rangnick is in situ. He's in interim charge until the end of the campaign. And Manchester United's next test comes on Friday night, actually, in the FA Cup, where Middlesbrough, the championship side, are the visitors to Old Trafford. I'm sure we'll be talking about that game and FA Cup weekend in general on tomorrow's podcast as well as the dugout. But after this, here on today's Football Social Daily, we'll be talking about Delhi Alley after his recent arrival at Everton. We'll do it next after this. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is your daily Premier League podcast from Sports Social. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. We love hearing from you wherever you are in the world and we appreciate every single one of you who has subscribed. And if this is your first time listening to the podcast and you like what you hear, then please do leave us a review as well. Five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows would be absolutely brilliant. And we're more than likely, if you do leave a five-star review, to uh, to read your review out on the show. So as long as you leave five stars, you can <laughs> say whatever yeah, the hell you want we don't read out the one stars <laughs> no we definitely don't you can leave the best thing to do if you want to give us some stick is leave five stars and then tell us what you think and then we'll probably read it out so that would be the best thing to do um i tell you what since we've been doing this podcast we've had a range of guests whether that be former premier league players journalists and just your general football fans like us three we've had some big claims over the years and one of the claims that i've heard recently is that Joel Tudor is a bagsman at five aside, and I'm still waiting to see that be proved right, Joel. <laughs> Where's this dick out come from? I was just minding my own business then. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't imagine you as a as a prolific goal scorer at five aside, and I apologise no, for no, judging I, you. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say I'm, I wouldn't say I'm prolific. I'm more of a like you know like Meza Ozil. I, put, I, I glue the side together. I'm the glue. <laughs> oh, what, what lazy? <laughs> Off a, a lazy mercenary. <laughs> Listen. No one's paying Joel. No one's paying Joel to play five aside. You, you boys, you. I'll call you off the bench whenever we need. <laughs> well, the reason I say that, Joel, is because I wanted to tell everyone about Spond, which takes the hassle out of organising any group event, including five aside. You can remove all of those hurdles so everyone can spend more time on what the important stuff is, which is, of course, playing the games. And Spond, the app, is 100% free. You can organise absolutely anything. So let's say you are trying to organise a five-a-side game you can set up the event using the easy to use event organizer you can send a link to your teammates and then you can relax and wait for them to reply it really is that simple spawn works across any device it allows you to share files create polls and schedules you can manage events whether it's a a repetitive game of five-a-side on a weekly basis or for the whole season for example you can manage attendance you can even pay your subs so go and download the app now it's called spond s-p-o-n-d you can join millions of people that are already using this you can you can find out what all the buzz is about go and check out spond you'll find it on the app store for your relevant device it is 100 free go and download it it does really take the hassle out of organizing a five-a-side with your mates and then you can even send a message to joel telling him just how wrong he is about his goal scoring exploits uh, <laughs> um we've seen a few people rock up at five aside down the pits in manchester over the years marley we've seen uh, ravel morrison <laughs> down there a couple of times you've played against him i think haven't you i have yeah yeah 
Yeah, rip me apart. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing was the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we'll move swiftly on. Um, we won't be seeing Deli Alley down the local five-a-side in Manchester. Maybe in Liverpool, if you're an Everton fan, you might catch a glimpse of him because, of course, he has signed for the Toffees. On transfer deadline day, he arrived at Goodison Park, along with Donny van der Beek and a new manager, Frank Lampard. Now, we spoke about this a couple of days ago on the show with Mike from the Unholy Trinity podcast. So if you want to hear his reaction to that from an Everton fan's perspective, just scroll back in the timeline and you can find that podcast the unholy trinity is also part of the sports social podcast network which you can check out at the website sport-social.co.uk but when it comes to delhi ali there's been a video doing the rounds on social media and it comes from ali's time under jose Mourinho at tottenham hotspur it was a one-to-one conversation in Mourinho's office at the Tottenham Hotspur training ground at the time and it was taken from the Amazon documentary which was uh, looking into life at Tottenham Hotspur and particularly Jose Mourinho's influence on the club when he first came in. The clip's interesting because Mourinho suggests that it's up to Deli Ali himself to realise his potential and that there's only so much he as a coach can do and he says that there's a difference between being a player who is consistent on a weekly basis or being a player who just shows potential in moments and I think that was the key word in the discourse that Mourinho was having with Ali Marley was was potential I think there's an element of that still knocking around when it comes to discussions about Delhi Ali do you think he's still yet to do that do you think that there's still untapped potential in Delhi Ali that he's still yet to discover uh, I, I think so um I think a lot of people say, you know, like he's 25. Um, he needs to rediscover this potential because, you, you know, you don't peak until you're, you know, 27, 28, 29 maybe. But I'm torn between can he get that back and the fact that some players peak early. Some some players peak at, at 20, 21. Michael Owen probably did. Won the Ballon d'Or at 20, 21. You know, these young players sometimes just have peaked. So I think you can you can you can peak early and still have a very good career. Ali's has definitely gone obviously a little bit left um in, in the last few years since uh since it all started going a bit strange at, at Spurs for him. But I think um with the right manager and with the right challenge he can he can get it back and it's it's only gonna be on him whether he gets it back. It's not it's not a raffle, it's not buying a ticket and hope you, you just get your form back and you you start playing um you know to the best of your ability again but it's uh it's it's on him and Mourinho this clip of Mourinho going sort of re- resurfacing from from the Spurs documentary was it was brilliant. It was a real eye opener and it shows how Jose Mourinho can be. You know, he he's very honest with players and he sets out challenges and wants them to do do well for him. He doesn't come in trying to blow everything apart, but I think he comes in and then he realizes that there's a lot of players that are hard to manage and not necessarily worth the the, the effort that the, the, that you need to put in to uh, to sort of make them to an acceptable level. And I think Ali was probably probably one of them. He sat him down. He, he had this talk, um, and for a few weeks, Ali Ali was in the Spurs team and he was playing really well. And then and then it went quiet. And it's I don't know what what the exact reason of that was, but it still proves that it's there for for Deli Ali, um, and he's got. It to... almost proves Mourinho right as well, as much as Mourinho wouldn't have wanted to be right in that situation. But paraphrasing him here, he kind of described Ali's career as one that peaked and troughed, ups and downs. I think are the words that he used, 
And I guess that was kind of evident, like what you say, when he first came into Tottenham, Ali was brilliant and he was performing, but then it dipped off. And, and, you know, it's kind of exactly what Mourinho was sort of suggesting, was that you don't want to be a player that goes up and down, up and down. You want to be a player that's consistently, you know, a good level. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's that's the challenge, because when he was playing very well and you know in the in that Spurs team where he scored 18 goals in a season it was because he was consistent and he was hitting those heights every every week he was doing you know um eight and nine out of ten performances and, and stuff like that and and taking skim games by the neck uh, scuff of the neck and, and controlling them and, and being a a serious player where people were talking about him becoming you know one of the best in the world and in England regular and in England's, you know, next big hope sort of thing, and that is why um, there's frustration around Deli Ali. But it is on him. It's 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 about whether he wants to uh, to live up to that new challenge. I think a new challenge is what he needed. Um, there was no chance of of Conte um, softening to him and and you know uh, put putting his arm around him and and waiting for him to become quality again because Spurs don't really have that time. So you're looking at that and saying Everton, Lampard, it you know it's a it's a good level club and it's it could be the right manager because Ali will have grown up watching Frank Lampard and possibly even modelling his game on him. So you're looking at that and saying this it could be it could be just about what he needs to be honest. Can he achieve that at Everton? Do you think, Joel? Marley says that maybe it could be what he needs. Do you think he can achieve that, you know, untapped potential and bringing that to the fore? Uh, Everton, do you think it's a good platform for him? I'm not sure. I don't think he'll ever reach those heights again. And I think the reason is, like you say, I think there's some players who peak very early. And I think there's some players who only click with a certain manager. And I think that team under Pochettino was just a, a moment in time where everything in that team was just clicking so well together. Yeah, you know, he was behind Harry Kane, he was finishing off every single assist he was giving him. He was getting amazing supply from the wings and uh, even mentioned in his statement when he left Tottenham uh, just a few days ago, he mentioned Pochettino in his statement at the end, thanking him for his for his efforts. So it's clear that he still holds Pochettino in such a high regard in terms of how his career went in, in the last like six years. And I think that everyone's got a bit of blind faith in him getting back to those levels. But honestly... Deli Ali reminds me of a, a little bit of Rooney and not in terms of his ability, but in terms of the fact that he needs to play on the edge to actually get something out of him. And in the last three years, I don't think I've seen, he just looks like a guy who's fell out of love with football a little bit. When we watched him when he was like in his early 20s, 21, 22, you know, even though he was still scoring and assisting ridiculous numbers, he was always kind of getting into like scuffles on the pitch and really flying into tackles and you know sometimes a lot of play uh, a lot of pundits were telling him that he needs to like tone down his his uh, aggression a little bit and his attitude on the pitch and maybe that was a bit of a a turning point for him maybe he tried to change his game in terms of you know calming himself down on the pitch and that's influenced how he plays a little bit but i think for me he just needs to find his love for football again and i think he he did mention that in his Everton interview that he just wants to enjoy playing football again and considering the fact that he's had three pretty decent managers obviously he had Nuno he had Conte he had Mourinho and all three of them couldn't get a tune out of him I think it's clear to see that he needs to look inside himself to unlock himself as Mourinho has clearly told him three years ago and he was clearly right that only he can 
get himself back to the levels that he can well he's been he's been there he's been at the top top level um and you know i think even alex ferguson was the one who was telling Mourinho that he should sign deli ali but then again he also said phil jones could be the greatest manchester united player ever so <laughs> take that with a pinch of salt <laughs> um, but yeah i think Deli Ali is just a very interesting case, but I would not be surprised if he if he if he never reached those levels again. And that's just purely because some players just peak in certain moments where there's, it's just a moment in time in their career where everything's going so well. The manager's perfect for them. The club's perfect. The team around him suits his strengths. Then suddenly when you get a new manager who comes in with a new philosophy, a new way of playing, he doesn't have the same man management as the previous manager. You know, he might be a player who needs a certain type of man management that other managers don't give him, but I think it's all down to him. And I think if if there's any manager who's out there now who could get him halfway to where he was, it is Lampard because, as you both said, very similar players uh, in terms of their output. And I think if he can base his game and help him, then, you know, you never know. But I don't think he'll ever reach those levels. Well, Ali's actually said that joining Lampard at Everton is a perfect match. Those were his words, as quoted in a number of articles this morning. You say that there's similarities between the two. Um, I wouldn't say that I've seen that regularly enough to suggest that those two were kind of cut from the same cloth. But we could see him change his game perhaps a little bit, Marley, in terms of what he could learn off of Lampard on a one-to-one basis. Let's not forget, Ali is far more experienced now than he was when he kind of burst onto the scene seven or eight years ago. He's slightly more developed physically he probably plays uh, not a less creative role but um he hasn't been as creative a player for Tottenham in recent seasons maybe he can become that sort of box-to-box midfield player who can kind of dictate the tempo of games in the middle of the park arrive late into the penalty area trying to finish off chances maybe he can add that element to his game something that Lampard was the expert at yeah I think um the the progression could could be there, you know. It's uh, it, you know, it's a crossroads at his career, um, sort of thing. So, I think everything just depends on how Everton want to play. Um, ideally, we're used to seeing you know Deli Ali play as a as a number ten and score score goals and arrive into the into the box late. Similar, you could say, to Lampard, um, but he has played a, a slightly different role for for Spurs when he has been playing in the last few years. He's been a bit more bit more combative um and sort of box to box like he's six foot two people forget like he's a big lad he can he can put himself about a bit you know he he has he is sort of cut out for that box to box role but i i would prefer to see him play as a number 10 and, and try and get back to where he was you know when he first burst onto the scene for spurs because i don't think that leaves you that sort of knack of scoring goals and arriving in the right place is a, a big asset which a lot not a lot of midfielders have um, and him and Calvert Lewin up front is a is a real handful. If you if you're Everton and you're going into a game saying you've got to deal with these two because you know aerially they're they're fantastic. Calvert Lewin's probably one of the best headers of the ball in Premier League to be honest. Is is a as a centre forward. So you're looking at that and saying I think Ali could could still make a big impact for for Spur, uh, for Everton. But it's it's it all starts with his with his hard work. Um, and and willingness to to get better like that's what worries me about him so it's uh oh and he's got to get rid of that haircut as well christ the the the, uh, the 
The little oh, the little extension dreadlocks are, are shocking, man. Oh, I quite like it. It's got like Captain Jack Sparrow vibes about it. I'm quite a fan. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind ridiculous haircuts every now and again. It gives us something to talk about at least. But um, you always get those old school football fans that kind of shake their fist and go, oh, he doesn't deserve that haircut. He doesn't deserve pink boots if he isn't doing it on the pitch. <laughs> no, you get people like that. Um, I mean, when it comes to Ali, some will argue, just for argument's sake here, that if Mourinho... And Conte couldn't get the best out of him. Two genuinely world-class football managers. Then how is someone with the experience of Frank Lampard going to get the best out of Deli Alley? But I suppose it kind of boils down to what you were saying before, Joel. Some managers and some players just have a connection and have a link that is replicated on the pitch. Yeah, hundred percent. And if you, I think when you just put it like that, I think Conte and Mourinho's styles are probably very similar in terms of their man management where they're not exactly the guys who are going to be patient with you whereas I think with Pochettino and Frank Lampard they do seem or they do cast me as the kind of guys who you know will put their arm around your shoulder and will kind of comfort you and will help you try and solve like your issues whereas Conte and Mourinho they're old school they want you to understand exactly where you are going wrong and you fix it um, which I think is why <clears throat> so many players have so, such big rifts with them because I bet their style is very chalk and cheese where if you're on their side, you feel it. If you're not on their side straight away, you're out of the door. Um, so I think Lampard is the kind of correct character um, to maybe have that comforting side to him. As Marino said, I'm not your father, but I think maybe he does need a kind of that kind of father figure in football who can guide him a little bit more. Um, because at the moment, in the last three years, he has seemed very lost, just in terms of his football. And um, he, I think he just needs to rediscover his love again for it. But considering the fact that he did mention Pochettino in his statement, I just think he he needs that kind of manager back in his in his career, who can show him the ropes again and just really give him that helping hand. Because I think Nuno, Conte, and Mourinho. I'm sure they're all very straight-talking guys. And I think a lot of youngsters nowadays, they don't like the confronting kind of managerial uh, method in terms of, you know, really challenging them and to seeing if they can actually rise to the to the challenge. And I think this next challenge at Everton will be one where Lampard will actually be patient with him rather than actually, you know, demand so much. Final question. One word answers only. Are Everton going down? Marley? No. Joel? No. No, me either. I don't think so. Um, I think there's no doubt that they need to be treading carefully, but I can't see them getting relegated. And surely with the additions of Van der Beek and Deli Alley, as much as those two players haven't exactly shone brilliantly in the last couple of seasons, they're certainly good players and they'll be a help to Everton in their fight against Premier League relegation, which they are in a battle for at the moment. And so are Burnley and Watford. Those two teams meet this weekend. We'll discuss that game on the dugout, which is out tomorrow night with Trevor Stephen, Matt Jarvis and myself. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that one. We'll also be back tomorrow looking ahead to some of the FA Cup games, including Manchester United against Middlesbrough on Friday night. But for today's episode of Football Social Daily, that will do us. And we'll catch you again next time on the podcast. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk.